episode of the digital download i'm kate hamer i run a marketing and digital consultancy kate hamer limited i've worked in large brands like unilever disney and l'oreal for over 15 years and a decade of that in digital and i understand how hard it can be to keep up to date with the fast moving world of digital so This podcast will hopefully help you by giving you a summary of the developments in the past week and I also discuss key topics in the industry. Thanks as always to everyone who's downloaded it. Please leave reviews, please subscribe, keep sending me feedback. Um, I didn't get much feedback last week when I was asking people about the current length of the show and whether you're finding the companion page on katehamer.com useful. So do drop me an email kate at katehamer.com or tweet me at katehamerltd let me know what you think and do also let me know any topics or questions that you would like to be covered because I want this to be your podcast. So there's actually not a huge amount of news this week. I think everyone's getting into summer holiday mood now but I'm going to be discussing some interesting studies and blogs that I've seen, some great brand campaigns and then finishing off with a piece on hashtags how to create them what to think about that kind of thing so without further ado we will get on to the news and interesting thought pieces from the week so firstly social media as always Facebook there was an e-marketer study this week that's predicted that Facebook's going to get more than two-thirds of net ad revenues around the globe this year So to put that into context, Twitter is going to get about 8% of them and Facebook about 68% of them. And this includes money that brands spend to maintain a social presence as well as actual paid media. So a huge amount of ad revenues from companies are going into Facebook. And that's before it's even started to monetize Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp. So it is a huge juggernaut in terms of the amount of money that it's taking but I do think it is a good place for advertising there's some really great stuff that you can do in terms of targeting people and looking at specific interest demographics etc so I would always advise to use it in business I also read an interesting blog this week by Justin Choi about Facebook Live and its appeal and he is basically saying that he doesn't think it's going to stay as the big thing on Facebook and I can see that he's got a point. So he likens it to the way that TV has changed where people no longer really tune in at a set time to watch something unless it's sport or an awards show. So There are some great uses of Facebook Live, but it's true that most of what your friends are using it for is not necessarily a must-see at that moment piece of content. I know some of my friends are using it to, um, you know, play records or that kind of thing, and it's not necessarily something that you have to watch at that specific moment. So he also talks about how most videos benefit from some editing to make them better, And I think that's absolutely true as well. So if you're using Facebook Live as a brand, then you really need to be thinking about whether 
that piece of content has to be live and whether you're going to be able to attract the views. Facebook counts the view as three seconds as well. So even people that might have scrolled past it in their newsfeed, if they've been slow on the scroll, could count as a viewer, even though they're not really. So if it's a piece of content that doesn't need to be viewed at a specific time, then maybe it's better to do it as a more finessed video that you can edit and load at a time where it's going to reach people's news feeds, get shared and kind of have a longer lifespan. Obviously, Facebook Live videos do live on on people's pages. So there's nothing to say that you couldn't do a video and then maybe boost it to hit more people. But it was quite an interesting blog, I thought. And I've put the link on the companion page on katehamer.com so that you can read the full story. On to Snapchat. No developments this week, but just a little article that I saw around Snapchat sponsoring the security trays at the airport. So the trays that you put your bags and laptops and everything in to put through the scanner, they've put the white ghost on the yellow background in some they've also done an x-ray version on a black background and a new york specific one so it seems a bit odd as a place to be advertising because obviously that's the place that you really don't want to be getting your phone out and doing snapchats because you're going to get in serious trouble with the security people but quite an interesting uh, use of ad spend. So if you're going on holiday have a look see if they're at more airports than just in new york and I'll keep an eye out for any results or articles that I see about that as well. Now on to Twitter. They did have their earnings call this week. There were some positives in that from a Twitter perspective, but not really from a Wall Street perspective. They're still feeling like the user base isn't growing fast enough. Uh, it didn't hugely improve share prices or anything like that in terms of the announcements. But I think this live element of Twitter is really where they're focusing now. And they've obviously signed a huge amount of deals with different people from the um, Democrat convention that happened in the US this week. There was live streaming of that, which I thought was brilliant. You had the video, if you were holding your phone in portrait, you had the video at the top of the screen and then you could see all the tweets underneath on the hashtag, or you could turn it landscape to just watch the video. So that was really slick and worked well. They're still gonna be developing over the next year in terms of their offering. The only other thing on Twitter this week is that moments are growing on me. So you might have seen the lightning bolt at the bottom of the screen. You may only go on there by accident, but I think the way that that's being built out is really improving and I am finding it useful. So I've put a link on the companion page to a moment that was about the Suicide Squad new movie Q&A where all the actors were answering questions and they've done a really good moment with that where you see the tweet of the question and then you scroll left and it's the video of the actors answering that question and you can go through the whole lot of it that way which is a bit more interesting than just clicking on a hashtag and seeing it that way so I think the Twitter team are curating the moments I've seen them advertising for someone to work on the Olympics in August in terms of being that moments curator and pulling in the very best content from around Twitter. So I think that will be an interesting one to watch. And their sort of human contribution to that curation is making it a very interesting tool. So check that out as well. In terms of search, 
this I sort of feel a bit weird about putting this in search because I don't think Yahoo really is a search engine anymore but Verizon have acquired Yahoo for 4.8 billion dollars it's going to be a cash deal it's obviously subject to regulatory approval but they think it'll be done by Q1 2017 this follows on from Verizon acquiring AOL last year and they're expecting that the AOL boss will probably take over the Yahoo business as well. They're saying they've done it to help them build premium content in key categories like sports, news and finance. Verizon are very keen to become more than just a carrier and to be that kind of content producer. So that's an interesting option for them there. Not quite sure what it's going to mean for Tumblr and Flickr that Yahoo own. Neither of those are doing hugely well at the moment. So maybe they'll be developed. Maybe they'll be set aside I'm not sure and then I did see a tweet that was talking about Yahoo and the, with the hashtag don't be like Yahoo and basically it was saying in 98 Yahoo refused to buy Google for one million dollars and then in 2002 it realized its mistake and it offered three billion dollars and Google wanted five billion so Yahoo said no in 2008 they turned down 40 billion from Microsoft and now they've just sold for under 5 billion so I mean it pretty much plays out like the worst ever game of deal or no deal that you could possibly play so uh, always worth thinking about acquisitions maybe earlier in the life of your company. A couple of things around apps. So Apple Music has bought the rights to Carpool Karaoke and they're going to be distributing 16 episodes, one a week. This is another attempt for them to attract more people to the service and to buy into their subscription service. It's not going to be hosted by James Corden though. He is going to be a creator slash producer along with Ben Winston who is the producer of The Late Late Show. Not sure about that really. I think part of the beauty of Carpool Karaoke is the James Corden element. So it'll be interesting to see who they get as a presenter instead. There's no timings for when they're going to launch it at the moment either. And then another app you might have heard of, Prisma. It's only been out for about two months and it's an app that uses artificial intelligence to make your pictures look like paintings. And the difference between it and some of the other apps that put a sort of painting filter over your photos is that this artificial intelligence enables it to look like the painting has been done by the human hand rather than put through some kind of computer program so it's got over 30 filters to choose from it's just launched on android it launched on ios a couple of months ago but they're seeing some huge results already so over 400 million photos have been prismed on iOS alone, it's been downloaded 10.6 million times. They've got 1.55 million active daily users. And in terms of down daily downloads, they maxed out at about 700,000. They're working on support for video. So you'll be able to make your videos look painted. And that should launch in the next week or so. And they're also saying that it will work on live video in the near future so again maybe that will mean that you can integrate it with your facebook live or your periscope or meerkat or whatever it might be but check it out it is a cool app 
Another interesting blog that I read this week was about email by Stephen Waddington, who's partner and chief engagement officer at Ketchum. And he was saying that he thinks that email in a business context is finally on the wane. And he realised that because he, in a single day, had more work exchanges on WhatsApp, Facebook at work and Messenger than he was actually using email. And in this blog, he talks about how slow business has been to adopt the new comms methods versus how the world has adopted them. So businesses are quite often still relying on intranets and emails. And part of that is about having the paper trail almost of who said what. You know, I'm sure we're all guilty of copying a million people in or sending huge attachments on emails or just emailing back so it's off your to-do list and back in someone else's to-do list. So I think that's why people have kind of held on to email, but it's true that as the next generation are joining the workforce, they're going to be used to entirely new methods of communication and they won't want to feel like they're going back in time when they get into the office. I saw someone present recently who was talking about how millennials, which I'm reluctant to just group everyone into millennials because I think it's quite hard to say people aged 18 to 34 or whatever it is, they're all the same. But these people who have grown up in a very different world to the one that I grew up in, for example, feel like they go to work in the 20th century and they're just counting down to home time to get back to the 21st century. So I think companies really are going to have to start looking at what they do in the workplace particularly IT teams are going to need to learn about new options and look at their policies and get everything in place because when I work with clients I see quite often that you know people have their own Dropboxes or iClouds that they just want to be able to save some documentation to so they can work on it at home or whatever and they're not able to use any of that due to the security on the work network and things so if we can bank online and that's fine, then there's obviously ways that we can get around these security things, but companies definitely need to be thinking about it and getting to a place where people can use new tools as a way to communicate. It should make business much more effective. Again, I've put the link to the whole blog on the companion page if you want to read it. Quick thing on e-commerce. So Amazon could start drone deliveries in the UK as early as next year. They've been given the go-ahead by the Civil Aviation Authority to test drones being flown beyond the line of sight of their operators in rural and suburban areas. So this means they can start to test the obstacle sensors on the drones and it would also mean that operators can be flying more than one drone at a time. The CAA is saying this will help them develop their policy and their future approach. And Amazon want to get to a point where they can deliver packages that weigh up to five pounds in weight within a 30 minute window. So look out, look up even while you're out and about and you might see some test Amazon drones. So that's it in terms of news updates from a brand's perspective. I've seen a few interesting things this week. So one was an advert for the University of Southampton that talks about all the different things that you can study at Southampton and it ends with search changing the world. And I, as a digital geek that I am, obviously instantly search changing the world to see what would come up. Because I was thinking, wow, they are brave to be certain that they're gonna perform in SEO for such a term. 
but actually when you do search they aren't anywhere organically for that term but they have bid on the term in adwords i imagine that's probably why they've gone for changing the world rather than change the world as there's probably less competition on that term so quite an interesting approach in that i i like it when brands say with confidence just search xyz but i would always want to be there organically really as well as from a paid perspective just to give you a bit more exposure but i think it does no harm to bid from a a paid search perspective to have that safety net then an interesting thing from michael cause so they're doing a thing hashtag insta cause and it's to get around the limitations of Instagram. So when you put a post on Instagram, you obviously can't add a clickable link to individual posts. You can only have a single clickable link in the bio of your whole account. So what they've done is recreated their Insta feed on a web page that they link to from their bio. And there it pairs the images with links to each product. So Nike women do a similar thing on their account as well. But Michael Kors are using it as a loyalty program as well. So customers who engage a lot with the brand on Instagram are going to get access to special promotions through this feed. And at the beginning of each season, they are releasing products on their Insta feed before they're released on their online store so that people can get exclusive access to them. So quite an interesting way to get around the lack of links on Instagram. It's obviously not perfect in that people do need to click and go onto another site and then find the Instagram post that they were looking at, but at least it's a way that they can be linking and making sales that way. One final thing on brands is Dove have launched a new campaign. The hashtag is MyBeautyMySay and it's challenging how the media portrays women in sports. And on Twitter, they're encouraging people to get media outlets to change offensive language in headlines and articles. So the advert is all around the fact that when you start to say things about a female athlete's appearance, you're making her disappear in terms of the achievements that she's doing in the sport. So they've put lots of examples of where media have said you know built like a fire hydrant and things about different women athletes rather than focusing on their achievements in whatever it is that they're competing in i think this is a a great campaign to come out obviously with the olympics about to start dove aren't one of the official sponsors of the olympics in fact if it's the same as last time i think png are heavily involved but it's a good way to capitalize on the fact that there's going to be a lot of talk about women in sport and they can get involved in that conversation without aligning themselves to the Olympics specifically. Again, the ads on the uh, companion page on my site. So have a look at that. So each week I end the show with a guide to a different topic. It might be how something works or it might be delving into a particular buzzword. This week I'm going to focus on hashtags how to write them, how to get involved with them, that kind of thing. So if you already are a digital expert and you just wanted an update on the news, you can stop listening now. Thank you very much for tuning in and do let me know what you thought of the show. And then for the rest of you still listening, we can get cracking on hashtags. So as you've probably realised, if you've been listening to this show for a while, I am quite a digital geek. So whenever I see a hashtag anywhere on a billboard a tv show wherever it might be i always go straight onto twitter to see how often people are using it 
and often there isn't much traffic on the hashtags. Sometimes even the brand hasn't put any content on it before promoting it elsewhere, which always really frustrates me. And sometimes they can get absolutely slated. So one example was Brita, the water filters, did a campaign about a a travel bottle that they got with a water filter in, I think last summer or maybe the summer before. And the hashtag was travel orcs, um, about awkward situations you get in on the tube. And when I looked that up, it was mainly people slating the travel orcs hashtag and saying how awful is this campaign it makes me want to poke my eyes out that kind of thing so it's really important to make sure that you think through what you're going to use as a hashtag in your campaigns i think they are a very useful tool as someone who likes things to be organized i'm a big fan of them because we can file our comments on social platforms within certain topics And I also like the way that they've been developed to be used as a bit of an aside as well. So there's two purposes for hashtags, really. There's the ones that you're going to click on and read all of the content related to it. So, you know, your football team's name or a TV show's name, that kind of thing. But then there's the ones that people do like a little addition to their comments. So I went to Tesco today and bought loads of salad. Hashtag must stop eating rubbish. Now, you're not expecting that lots of people will have used that hashtag, but it's just the way you kind of add an aside to a comment that you make. But there are some important things to think of from a business perspective if you are creating hashtags. One of my biggest bugbears is that sometimes people think that by having a hashtag that makes your campaign digital it's not a stamp that you add to the end frame of your TV advert or the bottom of your double page spread to sort of tick the digital box. The beauty of the hashtag is that it's going to make your campaign easy to remember and easy to find. So it really has to make sense to the consumer and there has to be a logical way for them to use it and for them to want to use it. So why would they as an individual want to write a tweet that just used a brand name, they probably wouldn't. So if you're starting with a campaign idea and then thinking of the most appropriate hashtag, that's much better than just kind of stamping a hashtag on the end of an ad. So be thinking about what's the philosophy of your product or brand, what are the benefits, how can it be used? Just like you think about all of these things when you were building the rest of your marketing campaign, it's just as relevant for a social campaign. One of my favorite hashtags of recent times is O2's Be More Dog. They created an entire philosophy around their phone upgrade offer and that meant that by creating this Be More Dog hashtag that represented it, consumers could use that in all kinds of ways. So it was used naturally in people's tweets. So, you know, uh, it's Sunday night and I should be preparing for work tomorrow, but I'm going to the theater, hashtag be more dog. So people could really buy into what that stood for and use it in a particular way. Of course, sometimes you may just want to use a branded hashtag to curate your own content and make it easy for people to find. For example, when I worked at Maybelline, we used to have a Maybelline Fashion Week hashtag that we weren't expecting other people to use, but it meant that all of our backstage content could easily be found by people clicking on that hashtag. So that's fine if you're not expecting consumers to use it. But if you do want consumers to use it, you need to think about how they would naturally put it into their 
um, own tweets and communications. Another one of my real irritations with hashtags is when personal pronouns are used. So I don't think it's as bad if it's my because when you're wanting people to use my, like the my beauty, my say dove example, at least that works for the user when they're using it. But one of the worst hashtags I've seen, I think, is Barclays You Are Football when they sponsored the Premier League. So it's great that Barclays are recognising that the fans make football and it's a really nice sentiment. And when they've got it on hoardings around the pitch and it's saying you are football, then that's great. But when they're saying, tell us why you are football for a chance to win tickets, it gets really complicated because do I then change it? And in my tweet, I say, I am football. Or do I say, yes, I am, you are football. So it's really difficult and there wasn't actually much traffic on that hashtag as a result because people don't know how to use it the same you know with i i've worked at a brand before where at an international level a hashtag was created with i and it meant even as the brand we were saying do you i blah 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 because we i and it just makes it really awkward so i would steer clear of that as much as you can and be giving your consumers an incentive to use a hashtag as well. So for TV shows, the incentive is that you can discover new people watching the same show. You can be discovered by people watching it. But for brands, you know, it doesn't always have to be a competition or an offer. Like O2, it can be something that you encapsulate and make it easy for them to express themselves. And this leads me on to the advent of these emoji hashtags on Twitter that you'll have started to see. So, you know, there's been things like for Euro 2016, for the Queen's 90th, etc., And brands are now starting to create them as well. So this week, Cadbury launched Tastes Like This Feels. Now for a start, that is quite a long hashtag, especially on Twitter where 140 characters is all you've got to play with. You don't wanna be having a huge hashtag. And then they've got the little picture of the Cadbury's dairy milk at the end, which is great. They've got Vine stars who are doing little videos saying tastes like this feels. So a guy who's handed a balloon and he floats off up into the sky and they're hashtagging partner on that as well. So they're clearly being paid by the brand to do those pieces. But the bulk of the public that are using it at the moment are just commenting on the fact that there's a cute chocolate bar at the end. So, you know, that's great. It's still getting them exposure. It's still probably making people think, oh yeah, I could fancy a bar of dairy milk. I might nip down to the shop. But it's a shame that people aren't using it in context. So I had an attempt on at Kate Hamer LTD. If you look on my feed there, I found a gif of two people like hugging really tightly. And I said, tastes like this feels for that. But you want something where the hashtag is really going to make sense for the user and they can use it. Like I've said, be more dog or should have gone to spec savers, for example, quite a long hashtag, but there's plenty of opportunity for people to use that in general life. Nike have also got one at the moment for Just Do It, which shows a red and yellow trainer at the end. And I think that's something that more people are likely to use. They've tied it in with their Unlimited Future campaign. So their athletes are all posting baby photos of themselves with a tweet saying, my story began. And then the advert is about champions aren't born, they're made. You don't decide how your story begins, but you do get to decide how it ends that's really interesting I think and that's where people will want to use that and it fits in with the way that they tweet 
And then finally, just be careful with hashtags that you might get involved with as a brand. So you don't always necessarily need to start the hashtag. There's lots of them that are happening all the time on Twitter that you can get involved in and get exposure to new people. There was one just last week, spelling mistake brands and brands were getting involved. So L'Oreal Pen Expert, for example, Pop Chips did one, Poo Chips, I'm not so sure about that really. I don't think I would have done that if I was them, but there are ways to get involved. But just think about what that might say about your brand because a couple of years ago, Benefit got into trouble with their followers because they started playing along with a hashtag that was something like make a show fat and it was looking at TV show names and then making them sound like they were fat. And they did lots of them but then people coming back at them saying you're part of the beauty industry and young girls are getting body shaming stuff all the time and now you're taking part in this. So, you know, they were just trying to have a bit of fun and get involved in something that was happening on the platform, but it really wasn't right for their brand values or the industry that they play in. So think about that as well. But if you're, if you're putting the customer at the heart, and I say this pretty much at the end of any topic that I'm talking about from new websites to post on social media, but it's so true. If you think about your consumer first, why would they care? Why would they be interested? How would they use it? Then again, you cannot go far wrong with hashtags. So that's it for this week. Thanks for listening to the digital download. I hope you found it useful. Do let me know. Tweet me at katehamerltd or email kate at katehamer.com and I will be back next week. Bye.